Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of the Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse on the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, and there you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email that includes both the lesson for the day as well as the text reading. Uh, my name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 13, From Perception to Knowledge, with Section 4, Release and Restoration release and restoration. We're also mindful of our lesson today, another review lesson. Like all of them in this review, proceeded with the idea <laughs> my mind holds only what I think with God. And today we're reviewing two ideas in lesson 146. No one can fail who asks to reach the truth and I lose the world from all I thought it was. And by way of opening this morning, very brief but very helpful and pregnant expression from Rumi simply goes like this. As you start to walk on the way, the way appears. As you start to walk on the way, the way appears. Isn't that just perfect for no one can fail who has to reach the truth? <laughs> yes, perfect. Perfect. And true. Yeah. And true. Exactly right. Okay. My friends, here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Karen, Robin Marie, and Donna. We're joined in listening this morning by Harrison. And let's see, we may have a listener um, who's joined us, who's a little bit occupied by way of greeting, but welcome. And have I missed anyone? You know what? I forgot to say Jessica. Right after Donna. I'm sorry, Jessica. And I'm here, Reverend Richie Joyce, listening. Oh, I was right before. Glad you're here. <laughs> Thanks. I'm you were before Donna, Jessica. Is that what you said? Yes, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> okay. All right. I beg your pardon. I just I think, I got think distracted. You're right. And didn't write the before name. me. I capitulate. Okay. <laughs> I've got it straightened out. And begging your pardons. Okay. All right. So here we are. In chapter 13, from perception to knowledge, with section 4, release and restoration. Paragraph 20. You are accustomed to the notion that the mind can see the source of pain where it is not. The doubtful service of displacement is to hide the real source of your guilt and keep from your awareness 
the full, full perception that it is insane. I'm going to do that again. The doubtful service of displacement is to hide the real source of your guilt and keep it from your awareness. The full perception that it is insane. Displacement always is maintained by the illusion that the source from which attention is diverted must be true and must be fearful or you would not have displaced the guilt onto what you believe to be less fearful. You are therefore willing, with little opposition, to look upon all sorts of so-called sources underneath awareness, provided that they are not the deeper source to which they bear no real relationship at all. Uh, Lemoyne. Okay, chapter 13. From perception to knowledge. Section 4. Release and restoration. You are accustomed to the notion that the mind can see the source of pain where it is not. The doubtful service of displacement is to hide the real source of your guilt and keep from your awareness the full perception that it is insane. Displacement is always maintained by the illusion that the source from which the attention is diverted must be true and must be fearful, or you would not have displaced the guilt onto what you believe to be less fearful. You are therefore willing with little opposition to look upon all sorts of seeming sources underneath awareness provided that they are not the deeper source to which they bear no real relationship at all. Insane ideas have no real relationships, for that is why they are insane. No real relationship can rest on guilt or hold or even hold one spot of it to mar its purity. For all relationships which guilt has touched are used but to avoid the person and the guilt. What strange relationships you have made for this strange purpose. And you forgot that real relationships are holy and cannot be used by you at all. Okay, I'm going to, pardon me one second. Okay, I want to read that again. What strange relationships you have made for this strange purpose. And you forgot that real relationships are holy and cannot be used by you at all. They are used only by the Holy Spirit, and it is that which makes them pure. If you displace your guilt upon them, the Holy Spirit cannot use them. For by preempting for your own ends, which you should have given to him, he cannot use them unto your relief. No one who would unite in any way with anyone for his own salvation will find it in that strange relationship. It is not shared, and so it is not real. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 21. 
Insane ideas have no real relationships, but that is why they are insane. No real relationship can rest on guilt or even hold one spot of it to mar its purity. For all relationships which guilt has touched are used but to avoid the person and the guilt. What strange relationships you have made for this strange purpose. And you forgot that real relationships are holy and cannot be used by you at all. They are used only by the Holy Spirit. And it is this that which, that which makes them pure. If you displace your guilt upon them, the Holy Spirit cannot use them. For by preempting for your own ends what you should have given to him, he cannot use them until your release. No one who would unite in any way with anyone for his own salvation will find it in that strange relationship. It is not shared, and so it is not real. 22. In any union with a brother in which you seek to lay your guilt upon him or share it with him or perceive his own, you will feel guilty. Nor will you find satisfaction and peace with him because your union with him is not real. You will see guilt in that relationship because you put it there. It is inevitable that those who suffer guilt will attempt to displace it because they do believe in it. Yet, though they suffer, they will not look within and let it go. They cannot know they love and cannot understand what loving is. Their main concern is to perceive the source of guilt outside themselves beyond their own control. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. 22. In any union with a brother in which you seek to lay your guilt upon him, or share it with him, or perceive his own, you will feel guilty. Nor will you find satisfaction and peace with him, because your union with him is not real. You will see guilt in that relationship, because you put it there. It is inevitable that those who suffer guilt will this attempt to displace it because they do believe in it. Yet though they suffer, they will not look within and let it go. They cannot know they love and cannot understand what loving is. Their main concern is to perceive the source of guilt outside themselves beyond their own control. 23. When you maintain that you are guilty, but the source lies in the past, you are not looking inward. The past is not in you. Your weird association to it have no meaning in the present. Your weird associations to it have no meaning in the present. Yet you let them stand between you and your brothers with whom you find no real relationship at all. Can you expect to use your brother as a means to quote-unquote solve the past and still to see them as they really are? Salvation is not found by those who use their brothers to resolve problems which are not there. 
You wanted not salvation in the past. Would you impose your idle wishes on the present and hope to find salvation now? Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. Twenty-three. <clears throat> when you maintain that you are guilty, but the source lies in the past, you are not looking inward. The past is not in you. Your weird associations to it have no meaning in the present. Yet you let them stand between you and your brothers, with whom you find no real relationships at all. Can you expect to use your brothers as a means to, quote, solve, unquote, the past, and still to see them as they really are? Salvation is not found by those who use their brothers to resolve problems which are not there. You wanted not salvation in the past. Would you impose your idle wishes on the present and hope to find salvation now? 24. Determine then to be not as you were. Use no relationship to hold you to the past, but with each one, each day, be born again. A minute, even less, will be enough to free you from the past and give your mind in peace over to the atonement. When everyone is welcome to you as you would have yourself be welcome to your father, you will see no guilt in you, for you will have accepted the atonement which shone within you all the while you dreamed of guilt and would not look within and see it. Thank you, Robin Marie and Jessica. Thank you, Lori. <clears throat> De- 24. Determine then, be not as you were. Use no relationship to hold you to the past, but with each one, each day, be born again. A minute, even less, will be enough to free you from the past and give your mind in peace over to the atonement. When everyone is welcome to you, as you would have yourself be welcome to your father, you will see no guilt in you. For you will have accepted the atonement, which shone within you all the while you dreamed of guilt and would not look within and see it. As long as you believe that guilt is justified in any way, in anyone, whatever he may do, You will not look within, where you would always find the atonement, or find atonement. The end of guilt will never come as long as you believe there is a reason for it. For you must learn that guilt is always totally insane and has no reason. The Holy Spirit seeks not to dispel reality. If guilt were real, atonement would not be. The purpose of atonement is to dispel illusions, not to establish them as real and then forgive them. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. 
Uh, are you on mute, Donna? Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. As long as you believe that guilt is justified in any way, in anyone, whatever he may do, you will not look within, where you would always find atonement. The end of guilt will never come as long as you believe there is a reason for it. For you must learn that guilt is always totally insane and has no reason. The Holy Spirit seeks not to dispel reality. If guilt were real, atonement would not be. The purpose of atonement is to dispel illusions, not to establish them as real, and then forgive them. 26. The Holy Spirit does not keep illusions in your mind to frighten you and show them to you fearfully to then to demonstrate that he has what he has saved you from. What he has saved you from is gone. Give no reality to guilt and see no reason for it. The Holy Spirit does what God would have him do and has always done so. He has seen separation but knows of union. He teaches healing but he also knows of creation. He would have you see and teach as he does and through him. Yet what he knows you do not know, though it is yours. Thank you, Donna. And would there be a new reader for 26 and 27? This is Sandra. I can read. I can do it, Lori. Good morning, hey, everyone. So who okay, is? we'll do Sandra. Then should we do Sandra? Then just uh, then Judy. Okay. Thanks. The Holy Spirit does not keep illusions in your mind to frighten you and show them to your fearfully to you fearfully to demonstrate what He has saved you from. What He has saved you from is gone. Give no reality to guilt and see no reason for it. The Holy Spirit does what God would have him do and has always done so. He has seen separation but knows of union. He teaches healing but he also knows of creation. He would have you see and teach as he does. And through him, he would have you see and teach as he does and through him. Yet what he knows you do what he knows you do not know, though it is yours. twenty seven. Now it is given you to heal and teach, to make what will be now. As yet it is not now. The Son of God believes that he is lost in guilt, alone in a dark world where pain is pressing everywhere upon him from without. When he has looked within and seen the radiance there, he will remember how much his father loves him. 
and it will seem incredible that he has ever thought his father loved him not and looked upon him as condemned. The moment that you realize guilt is insane, wholly unjustified, and wholly without reason, you will not fear to look upon the atonement and accept it wholly. Thank you, Sandra. And then Judy. Now it is given you to heal and teach to make what will be now. As yet, it is not now. The Son of God believes that he is lost in guilt, alone in a dark world where pain is pressing everywhere upon him from without. When he has looked within and seen the radiance there, he will remember how much his father loves him. And it will seem incredible that he ever thought his father loved him not and looked upon him as condemned. The moment that you realize guilt is insane, wholly unjustified, and wholly without reason, you will not fear to look upon the atonement and accept it wholly. You who have been unmerciful unto yourselves, do not remember your father's love. And looking without mercy upon your brothers, you do not remember how much you love him with a capital H. Yet it is forever true. In shining peace within you is the perfect purity in which you were created. Fear not to look upon the lovely truth in you. Look through the cloud of guilt that dims your vision and look past darkness to the holy place where you will see the light. The altar to your Father is as pure as he who raised it to himself. Nothing can keep you from what Christ would have you see. His will is like his Father's, and he offers mercy to every child of God as he would have us do. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you, Judy. And would there be another new reader for 28 and 29? Okay, back to you, Lamar. Oh, go ahead, Harrison. Okay. 28, you who have been unmerciful unto yourselves do not remember your father's love and looking without mercy upon your brothers, 
you do not remember how much you love him. Capital H. Yet it is forever true. In shining peace within you is the perfect purity in which you were created. Fear not to look upon the lovely truth in you. Look through the cloud of guilt that dims your vision and look past darkness to the holy place where you will see the light. The altar to your father is as pure as he who raised it to himself. Nothing can keep from you what Christ would have you see. His will is like his father's and he offers mercy to every child of God as he would have you do. 29. Release from guilt as you would be released. There is no other way to look within and see the light of love shining as steadily and as surely as God himself has always loved his son and as his son loves him. There is no fear in love, for love is guiltless. You who have always loved your father can have no fear for any reason to look within and see your holiness. You cannot be as you believe you were. Your guilt is without reason because it is not in the mind of God where you are. And this is reason which the Holy Spirit would restore to you. He will remove only illusions. All else he would have you see. And in Christ's vision, he would show you the perfect purity that is forever within God's Son. Thank you. Thank you.
sorry, trouble with the mute. Thank you, Harrison. And now is there a new reader for 29 and 30? Okay, I'm going back to you. Okay, uh, I'm going to want to read 31 so it gets read three times. Okay. Um, release from guilt as you would be released. There is no other way to look within and see the light of love shining as steadily and as surely as God himself has always loved his son. And as his son loves him, there is no fear in love, for love is guiltless. You who have always loved your father can have no fear for any reason to look within and see your holiness. You cannot be as you believed you were. Your guilt is without reason because it is not in the mind of God where you are. And this is reason which the Holy Spirit would restore to you. He would remove only illusion. All else he would have you see. And in Christ's vision, he would show you the perfect purity that is forever within God's Son. You cannot enter into real relationships with any of God's sons unless you love them all and equally. Love is not special. If you single out part of the sonship for your love, you are imposing guilt on all your relationships and making them unreal. You can love only as God loves. Seek not to love unlike him, for there is no love apart from his. Until you recognize that this is true, you will have no idea what love is like. No one who condemns a brother can see himself as guiltless in the peace of God. <clears throat> if he is guiltless and in peace, and sees it not. He is delusional and has not looked upon himself. To him I say, Behold the Son of God and look upon his purity and be still. In quiet look upon his holiness and offer thanks unto his Father that no guilt has ever touched him. Thank you, LeMoyne, and thank you for keeping those together. So we'll follow on with Fran then, doing 30, 31 and 32. You cannot enter into real relationships with any of God's sons unless you love them all and equally. Love is not special. If you single out part of the sonship for your love, you are imposing guilt on all your relationships, and making them unreal. You can love only as God loves. Seek not to love unlike him, for there is no love apart from his. While you recognize that this is true, 
you will have no idea what love is like. No one who condemns a brother can see himself as guiltless in the peace of God. If he is guiltless and in peace and sees it not, he is delusional and has not looked upon himself. To him I say, Behold the Son of God and look upon his purity and be still. In quiet, look upon his holiness and offer thanks unto his Father that no guilt has ever touched him. 32. No illusion that you have ever held against him has touched his innocence in any way. His shining purity, wholly untouched by guilt and wholly loving, is bright within you. Let us look upon him together and love him, for in our love of him is your guiltlessness. But look upon yourself, and gladness and appreciation for what you see will banish guilt forever. I thank you, Father, for the purity of your most holy Son, whom you have created guiltless forever. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. Thirty-two or thirty-one. I, I would say oh, it would be excellent. Yeah. Sorry, Lori. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just going to say, pick pick up the last pick up the last sentence of thirty, Karen, if you will. And okay, if he and in peace and sees it not, he is delusional and has not looked upon himself. To him I say, Behold the Son of God, and look upon his purity, and be still. In quiet, look upon his holiness, and offer thanks unto his Father, that no guilt has ever touched him. 32. No illusion that you have ever held against him has touched his innocence in any way. His shining purity, wholly untouched by guilt and wholly loving, is bright within you. Let us look upon him together and love him, for in our love of him is your guiltlessness. But look upon yourself and gladness and appreciation for what you see will banish guilt forever. I thank you, Father, for the purity of your most holy Son, whom you have created guiltless forever. 33. Like you, my faith and my belief are centered on what I treasure. The difference is that I love only what God loves with me. And because of this, I treasure you beyond the value that you set on yourself, even unto the worth that God has placed upon you. I love all that he created, and all my faith and my belief I offer unto it. My faith in you is strong as all the love I give my Father. My trust in you is without limit and without the fear that you will hear me not. I thank the Father for your loveliness and for the many gifts that you will let me offer to the kingdom in honor of its wholeness which is of God. Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. 
33. Like you, my faith and my belief are centered on what I treasure. The difference is that I love only what God loves with me. And because of this, I treasure you beyond the value that you set on yourselves, even unto the worth that God has placed upon you. I love all that he created, and all my faith and my belief I offer unto it. My faith in you is strong as all the love I give my Father. My trust in you is without limit and without the fear that you will hear me not. I thank the Father for your loveliness and for the many gifts that you will let me offer to the kingdom in honor of its wholeness, which is of God. 34. Praise be unto you who make the Father one with his own Son. Alone we are all lowly, but together we shine with brightness so intense that none of us alone can even think on it. Before the glorious radiance of the kingdom, guilt melts away and transformed into kindness will never more be what it was. Every reaction that you experience will be so purified that it is fitting as a hymn of praise unto your Father. See only praise of him in what he has created, for he will never cease his praise of you. United in this praise, we stand before the gates of heaven, where we will surely enter into our blamelessness. God loves you. United in, his pray, in this praise, we stand before the gates of heaven where we will surely enter in our blamelessness. God loves you. Could I then lack faith in you and love him perfectly? Oh, thank you, Robert Marie. And Jessica. This is so beautiful. 34. <laughs> Praise be unto you who make the Father one with his own Son. Alone we are all lowly, but together we shine with brightness so intense that none of us alone can even think on it. Before the glorious radiance of the kingdom, guilt melts away and transformed into kindness will never more be what it was. Every reaction that you experience will be so purified that it is fitting as a hymn of praise unto your Father. The only praise of him in what he has created, for he will never cease his praise of you. United in this praise, we stand before the gates of heaven where we will surely enter in our blamelessness. God loves you. Could I then lack faith in you and love him perfectly? 35. Forgetfulness and sleep and even death become the ego's best advice for how to deal with the perceived and harsh intrusion of guilt 
on peace. Yet no one sees himself in conflict and ravaged ravaged by a cruel war unless he believes that both opponents in the war are real. Believing this, he must escape, for such a war would surely end his peace of mind and so destroy him. Yet if he could but realize the war is between forces that are real and unreal powers, he could look upon himself and see his freedom. No one finds himself ravaged and torn in endless battles which he himself perceives as holy without meaning. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. 35. Forgetfulness and sleep and even death become the ego's best advice for how to deal with the perceived and harsh intrusions of guilt on peace. Yet no one sees himself in conflict and ravaged by a cruel war unless he believes that both opponents in the war are real. Believing this, he must escape, for such a war would surely end his peace of mind and so destroy him. Yet if he could but realize the war is between forces that are real and unreal powers, he would look upon himself and see his freedom. No one finds himself ravaged and torn in endless battle which he himself perceives as holy without meaning. 36. God would not have his son embattled, and so his son's imagined enemy, which he made, is totally unreal. You are but trying to escape a bitter war from which you have escaped. The war is gone, for you have heard the hymn of freedom rising unto heaven. Gladness and joy belong to God for your release, because you made it not. Yet as you made not freedom, so you made not a war that could endanger freedom. Nothing destructive ever was or will be. The war, the guilt, the past are gone as one into the unreality from which they came. Thank you, Donna. And Sandra. God would not have his son embattled. And so his son and and so his son's imagined enemy, which he made, is totally unreal. You are but trying to escape a bitter war from which you have escaped. The war is gone. For you have heard the hymn of freedom rising unto heaven. Gladness and joy belong to God for your release, because you made it not. Yet as you made not freedom, 
so you made not a war that could endanger freedom. Nothing destructive ever was or will be. The war, the guilt, the past are gone as one into the unreality from which they came. Thank you, Sandra. And thank you, everyone, who read this beautiful section on release and restoration. And since we've gone a little past the top of the hour, um, it would be marvelous, Fran, if we turn our attention to your leading our lesson this morning with our gratitude. Oh, thank you, Laurie. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and we're on review four. And today we're on lesson 146. My mind holds only what I think was God. No one can fail who asks to reach the truth. I lose the world from all I thought it was. So I shall read some from a little bit from the uh, review, the introduction, and then we'll do our five-minute practice on the lesson. Begin each day with time devoted to the preparation of your mind to learn what each idea you will review that day can offer you in freedom and in peace. Open your mind and clear it of all thoughts that would deceive and let this thought alone engage it fully and remove the rest. My mind holds only what I think with God. Five minutes with this thought will be enough to set the day along the lines which God appointed and to place his mind in charge of all the thoughts you will receive that day. They will not come from you alone, for they will all be shared with him. And so each one will bring the message of his love to you, returning messages of yours to him. So will communion with the Lord of hosts be yours, as he himself has willed it be, and as his own completion joins with him. So will he join with you, who are complete, as you unite with him and he with you. We'll go over to the lesson. Do a five-minute practice. My mind holds only what I thank with God. No one can fail who asks to reach the truth. I lose the world from all I thought it was.
Lesson 146. My mind holds only what I think with God. No one can fail who asks to reach the truth. I lose the world from all I thought it was. Amen. Amen. And thank you for leading that, friend. Oh, welcome. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Fran. I'm so grateful, first of all, that the Holy Spirit brought me to class today because I was about to begin something else. And for the lessons, and, of course, without the call, I would have missed all of this. So, so from 131, I was reminded of what our reading today. Uh, paragraph 34, where Jesus says, God loves you. Could I then lack faith in you and love God perfectly? And from 132, I was drawn to, again, Jesus, Jesus says, together we shine with brightness so intense that none of us alone can even think on it. When I realize that's Jesus saying, we and us, I'm so blessed, I am complete. That's beautiful, Donna. Just beautiful. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. This is Lori. Good morning, everyone. Um, This is one of those sections I've noticed uh, in particular has so many uh, aspects of truth put together in one place. And it's no wonder it's titled Release and Restoration. And what in particular I've noticed is that it speaks to me over the years uh, in precisely the way I need it to speak to me at that time. Uh, over the years, I've added various lines and underlines and double underlines and parenthetical brackets and then stars. (laughs) And uh, it's it's really marked up. And the marking up of it reflects uh, to me how it meets the need that I bring to it every time. And over time, the needs I bring to it change. Because why? Because I change on my way to a changeless state. And uh, and this year, um, the greatest gift I see in it is in paragraph 27, where he says, now is given you. The gift this year is now 
now has given you because I have a particular relationship uh, I've talked about it before relationship with my niece where I never understand exactly how uh, to meet her need for love and over the years I feel as though I failed her um, I failed to meet that need for love and just like he says any relationship that guilt has touched is not a real relationship and so I've done that thing that he says in the first paragraph displacement hides guilt from your sight because it touches uh, the relationship and now I don't know what it is I feel guilty about in fact I've used um, avoidance just like he says in that first paragraph or the second paragraph 21 relationships that guilt has touched are used to avoid both the person and the guilt and then I remembered um, way back in in the early sections the first 25 lessons what I see is a form of vengeance I've used the past and my failing uh, what I see is my failing I've used the past and what I see is my failing to avoid both the person and the guilt that's what defenses do they hide truth from my side and they keep truth out of my awareness it has nothing to do with my niece you see the, nor my niece's daughter my great-niece it has everything to do with the fact that I felt a failure in myself I failed to meet a need and I suffered guilt for it and uh, so this year the gift in this section is as I said in paragraph 27 now is given you when I think about that I you know oftentimes I remember um, everything's so gently arranged by Holy Spirit or my blessing and he says in the manual for teachers that when I'm ready to learn when I'm ready to learn the opportunities to teach will be presented to me and what what is it I teach but the thought system I demonstrate is true the thought system of love I can't do that when I have guilt in my mind that's what makes now a gift now is a gift I've been doing battle with the past that's what I've been doing I felt a failure in the past I've carried it with me and used it to avoid that person and that relationship but now it's given me to see that the past isn't here so it goes on in paragraph 27 now is given you as a gift to heal and to teach and to make what will be now ego always uses perceived failure or guilt in order to preserve the past to make the future like the past and avoid now 
but now is given me as a gift to teach and to heal and make what will be now that's how um, I can remember I love you father I love your son my gratitude permits my love to be accepted without fear I'm grateful for now that can be healed of my past failure and when I allow my now to be healed of my perceived past failure I remember love and I recognize that I have been insane I have simply been insane doing war with the past and uh, that's the great gift of this section to me this morning I'm complete so clear thank you thank you thanks Lori thank you Lori thank you Lori go ahead good morning it's Karen um I lose the world from all I thought it was uh talking about guilt it's when I read this one section in um, the first paragraph it said you are therefore willing with little opposition to look upon all so-called sources underneath awareness provided they are not the deeper source no one can fail who seeks or asks to reach the truth we can't fail because it's our true self we can't fail because that's the only thing that's real is our true self and our natural self so if we want to find it we can find it because that's the only thing that's real we can't fail because that's the only thing that's real I lose the world from all I thought it was through displacement I am willing to go a little down it says willing with little opposition to look upon all the so-called sources underneath awareness provided they're not really the deeper source I think what that means is we're willing to look at the past as our sources or our fears as our sources or our guilt as our sources as long as we're not really willing to look at our perfection as the reason that our guilt isn't real I don't know if I'm making this clear but it seems it's that's what it's saying to me that the um, if I lose the world of all the fears and all the guilt and all the judgments and my ego mind and all the stories and my past if I lose the world from all that what I would find according to the course is truth our unity holiness and love radiance beyond what I can even imagine the light I could if I lose the world from all I thought it was I would find the kingdom of the real world and my mind would hold only what I think was God it won't hold any of those illusions if I lose the world from what I thought it was and only um, if I ask I can't fail because that's the only thing that's true 
Everything else is not true. I was watching um, during the 15-minute break between the lesson call and this call, I was looking at the television monitor and they're singing in India at the ashram and the uh, budgets are, and it said on the budgets, the translation in English was, you could draw a picture of a cow, but you it won't give you milk. So knowing that God is one without the experience of self-realization won't take you to the goal. And I was thinking of that and I was thinking, okay, so... How does that apply? Okay, knowing that we're one is is very good. It's right thinking. It's definitely correction over the ego reality. But really perceiving my brother as innocent, really, really understanding that the person before me in the now is completely innocent and pure. That's what I have to do have the experience of my brother in the now without my judging mind, without my fear thoughts, without my past uh, projecting all kinds of illusions and interpretations. And then if I could perceive my brother as innocent, the Course tells me that I will understand that I'm innocent too. I think it would work both ways. I think if I could really go inside and touch my own innocence, then I would automatically perceive my brother as innocent. But, you know, that would require kind of like being able to really go within. And, you know, that is something we do in meditation. But generally speaking, to sink into the depths of our, to touch the truth of us is is kind of, um, it's not automatically easy for everybody. So you if you could learn to see your brother that way, that would work too. Um, I lose the world from all I thought it was. And the only way to do it is in the now, which is what Lori just said. It's like I meet this person, they start telling me their story and their drama, and I start feeling their energy and all their emotional garbage in their energy and all of that, and I'm not in the now. In the holy instant, it's a shift in perception to a place of complete emptiness and no judgment and just the Holy Spirit between us. There's no judging of the story, no reaction to the emotional energy, no aversion to to what I don't like. (laughs) Anyway, that's, that's the goal. I'm complete. Thank you for letting me share. That was a beautiful share, Karen. My heart. Thank you. Love your laughter. Thank you. This is Ida. And um, I'm going to say the same thing that Karen just said, but in a different way. Um, To me, the these lessons for today are leading me to think about that we are so much greater than we think we are. Um, You know, we think with the personality, with the ego mind, but we are so much more spiritual. We are so much more whole and healthy. We are so much more in every way. We're, 
We really do live in the now. That's where we really live. The ego just kind of, uh, personality just kind of covers that up for maybe what seems to be a long, long time. But a few or several years ago, I had a holy instant or maybe a vision of someone. It was a head, but it was someone that immediately the impression I got was that this person was an aspect of me. But this person struck me as so incredibly strong in every way that I thought, you know, he had to be a man because he was so incredibly strong physically. And he emanated that. And But also emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, like a super hero of some kind. And yet, um, like I said, the impression was that that was that person was an aspect of who, me, who I really was. And, um, you know, it, it just lasted for a minute, and then it faded away. So I'm remembering that experience to tell you about it now. But um, but that that person, I think, is who we all really are. And as we grow and we have these holy instants, we have these miracles, we will more and more manifest, as Karen said, the person who we really are. And then, you know, just walking around the whole world, you know, will be different, not only in our perception, in our perception, in everyone's perception, in the in the physical world, everything will be different. This will be um, not what some people call a prison planet anymore. This will be an incredible planet of joy and strength and health and abundance and, and everything good just from us being the people that we really are. So it might take some time, but that's all the time is for. But... Uh, we have that within us now. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. That was very, very Thank excellent. Thank you, Good morning, guys. It's Jude, and um, from perception to knowledge, we're in Chapter 13, and um, talking about healing and 
shadows, the shadows of a darkened mind, the ego mind, and perception, perception, um, and the way we see, two ways of seeing, seeing through the body's senses, sensorially through the body. Um, we see the world as other than, we see people as other than, and um you know, I'm I'm really taken more and more strongly and um, to the truth of knowing who I am by acknowledging that the whole sensorial process of my body is a part of the illusion of the world, that by seeing through it, I'm validating it through its limited perspective, through a selfish, self-centered, limited point of egoic view. So... For me, in, in doing the course for so many years, I've come to a deeper unlayering of the ego and, and stepping back and, and, and gentle listening, um, listening, listening to hear the word, knowing Knowing that peace is a condition, my mind must be peaceful, a peaceful condition, in and in, in not in opposition to anything, including, you know, whatever thoughts or, or feelings this Judy body has. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit and be still and, and listen and let her be a part of the totality of what God's awareness would open my mind to and include and not exclude anything from it. And so um, it's in that expanse of awareness that I come to see and know myself more clearly. And I'm I'm, um, above the battleground. I love this section, Um, speaking of release. I'm, I'm released from the limitations of my ideas about myself as Judy, about my limitations of my own thinking, about my limitations of my own body. The Holy Spirit relieves me of all that when I join with him in my Christ consciousness. I let every worldly thought go, every worldly thought go, every perception, sensorial perception in my stillness and Awareness, which is prior to all that thinking. So today in doing the lesson, it really came more clearly to me that I judge first through which eyes I will look. I make a conscious contact with Christ in me. And in every minute, in every minute in which I truly want to have vision, look through with him, with the capital H. And it speaks of this in the text today. He would have me see and teach as he does. And through him, yet what he knows, I do not know, though it is mine. And the only way I can know it is to be it, to be one with it. I can't do it, Judy can't do it alone. Judy can't think she knows how to do it. It's not enough. To think about it is not enough. I have to be doing it. 
being present in his presence. So it's, it's, it's that releasing myself. I let loose all the ideas I have about myself, about me and the world. Judy, let me make clarify that, how I want you to understand what I'm saying. I lose Judy, the I image of Judy and everything she thinks she knows from the past. I invite my guest. I, for one second, it's all it takes, one second. I invite my guest with a capital G. I know he's here, and I'm going to let him... I'm going to let him use my eyes to see, and I'm going to see what he's going to show me, and I'm going to witness unto the light of what he shows me, the light and the love that he shows me. And my eyes are open in, in, in wonder because I can't wait to see what I'm going to see because that is, that is the revelatory part for me, that God reveals himself in everything I see when I see through the eyes of vision, and um, that I, to ask, to reach truth, to ask, I'm asking for something that I, I already am. So it's really just my recognition of being aware of it. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the light. I am the Christ consciousness. I am a part of that, and in everything, God is in everything, I am in everything with God, in my own particular place and situations and circumstances, because I'm, I'm still limited within this mortal coil. But it's not denied me in any way, shape, or form for me to see that. In any way, shape, or form... Not to lie, the dark mind of guilt. There's no guilt on anything unless my mind projects it outside of me. It's not there to be seen. I'm the projector. I'm the light. I'm the one responsible for making myself or anyone else guilty. There is no guilt unless I project it. I am the light that projects it that sees it. I judge it so, and so I see it because I want it to be so. That's how projection works, the projector. And uh, the body's eyes being the projector. You know, it's, it's a fine, subtle kind of distinction. And it takes a fine, subtle, quiet kind of understanding it. For me, I'm... I'm, I'm not trying to preach here. I'm just trying to wholly um, embrace what this, this reading is so beautiful today. I just love that paragraph that I read that said, I who have been unmerciful to myself do not remember my Father's love. I, I've tried for years to, to, to pray the prayer, Christ make perfect to me what is perfect, Make perfect unto me what is perfect in me. Because I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't experiencing it. And I wanted it so badly. And looking without mercy upon my brothers and sisters, I do not remember how much I love God or Christ or 
the Son of God, which is the one, all of us included. It's forever true. In shining peace within me is the perfect purity in which I was created. That just makes me quiver, quiver, quiver all over. And fear not to look upon the lovely truth in you. And look through the clouds. Look through the clouds. Blow and puff them away. They're just merely thoughts, mistaken thoughts. And that dims my vision. And, and, and there is no darkness in any of us. There's only a holy place where God has risen the altar to himself within us. I mean, how grand and holy in magnitude is this, this, this that we're reading today? It's huge. It's absolutely huge to me. It's so huge. I just can't. <gasps> there's no containing it. Um, there's no other way except releasing myself from guilt. If I would be released so that I can release the world. I can't look upon an innocent person until I find my, my own innocence. It's absolutely imperative that this is an inside job because there is no other. There's only one self. I am the one separating me from God, from him, from Christ, from myself. I can't seek peace or love or innocence outside of myself. I have to find it within. Seek not outside ourselves. And I just love this. Guilt is without reason. It's meaningless. It's totally insane because it is not in the mind of God where I am. I am at home in the mind of God. And believe this one thought, that God wills you heaven. That is God's will for you. That, and for me, for everybody, that we are one with him in heaven. And that's the unity of the mind that's in the state of grace that knows its own perfect purity and knows its perfect innocence and knows it's perfectly whole and complete. And that when God gave himself to us and raised us as, as, a, as an altar to himself, that he gave us everything because he gave himself equally to everything. And as he is in all in all, so am I, and so are you, and so is everyone. The wholeness and the completion of the Son of God. Oh, that's to know what love is like. That's all, folks. I'm just adoring, adoring this more and more, the holy truth of what we are. Um... <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop there. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. That was really great. Thank I you, love Judy. the way the pronouns pronouns become more all embracing. Thank you. That's, I, I, I really have come to understand, Lori, is the one truth that we each individually say, I am thinking it's us individually, but it's God. 
each one is God, and there's only one eye. <laughs> there's only one big kahuna eye, and there is no me. Yeah. My, yeah. There is no me at all. There is no self. And there's such freedom in that. There's absolute, absolute joy and freedom in that. Nothing is mine alone. I am not alone. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> oh. Thanks, Jude. Oh, we still have time. My friends, who haven't we heard from? Good morning, this is Sandra. <laughs> I was talking, but I was on mute. <laughs> um, I, my focus has been on I lose the world from all I thought it was, too, because I think that's just an ongoing, everyday lesson that I think I'm going to add to a, a daily affirmation of lessons. Um, there's a line that's not muted. If they would mute, that would help me to stay focused. Thank you. Anyway, um, sometimes I feel like I've done all this work and yet I'm still <laughs> in this place. And what I'm realizing is that... Um, it does come in layers and that we're all connected. And sometimes I could be picking up, because we're all connected, I could be picking it up for somebody else. And so if I just stay diligent with what it, what's ever up for me and keep coming back into center when I go off balance using these methods of, this method of teaching myself, um, that it, it's, I just have to keep on going, one foot in front of the other, and and not get um, disappointed because, or say, this doesn't work. Because it comes off in layers, and we're all connected, and sometimes I could be clearing it for somebody else because I'm willing. And this book says that we either get there all together or none of us are going anywhere. We either get into heaven all together or nor none of us gets there. So because it only takes one, all it takes one, all it takes is one, and then everybody else is coming along, uh, but they are coming along at their own pace. The one has already come in the, in the, in the uh, manifestation of the Christ, of Jesus, actually. But Jesus said you're going to do more than I've ever done. Um, so he's passed the the uh, he's passed it on to us. It's up to us, and we're not just doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for the world, 
but it begins with me. So I'm just uh, putting it out there not to be discouraged um, and keep on going and not take it personally because I think that's what gets me discouraged and gets me stuck is I, I start to think, oh, this is personal. And it's not. It's not personal at all. I'm complete. Bravo. Thank you, Sandra. I love that. Yes, you yeah. That was great. Just quickly, I um, you so remind me of being a happy learner. That guilt, that guilt, I have to recognize in myself because I can f- make myself feel guilty, like I'm I'm not doing this right, or what am I doing wrong, and and um, or I'm not diligent or vigilant enough, and. Yeah, I'm the ego's full of criticisms and um, just the awareness of being willing, willing to realign and, um, you know, be earnest about and vigilant for the kingdom, that we are the kingdom of God and that we, we are perfect peace and we are perfect happiness. That's God's will for me. It's not God's will that I crucify myself. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you both. I have one about that that I was talking about before. I was meditating on it after I spoke, and what he actually looked like, who I think the being was, because he didn't actually look like human. He looked like a being, like from another world or something. But I think it was Jesus. I think it was Jesus as he is now. He's gone even farther in his own development and spiritual growth and everything than when he was on earth um, 2,000 years ago. And I heard through Tina Louise Spalding that when Jesus comes to her as a channel, it's not just that guy they saw or we saw back then. He's incorporated a number of different souls that are like to each other into himself. And that would explain it. But Jesus did say, you know, I'm your older brother. I'm your elder brother in the course. In the Bible, what I can do, ye also will do. And greater than this, in fact, indeed, will you also do, something like that. Um, so, because, you know, like she said, we are one, and it only takes one of us, and we all are. <laughs> I'm playing with words a little bit here, but you know what I mean. It only takes one of us to get there, and we all are that one. Thank you, I'm complete. Thank you, Ida.
from this reading today and the, um, the lessons have been really driving uh, um, the last judgment home to me. So, you know, that there's the first coming of Christ as we were created one and whole and complete and perfect purity and innocence. And then, you know, we we come to the world and and we're doing this thing. And um, then the second coming of the Christ, which restores us to sanity, um, corrects our minds of all that is false, all the false beliefs that we have, that we're mortal, that we're limited, that we can sin, that we can change ourselves, you know, that we can distort ourselves and um, do something wrong, do something hateful, do something hurtful to ourselves or to others, that all this is revealed as, as, as false and unbelievable, no longer believing it. And then the the... The, the root of guilt, which is condemnation, is known to be totally absurd because we recognize what is the truth about us, that we're immortal, that we're spirit that cannot be touched with sin, that cannot be touched with false beliefs of what we think we made of ourselves, that we're not bodies, that what we say and do in bodies is limited and fragmented, and and bodies will merely disappear because they are no longer useful because the Son of God has been restored. This is where I'm getting this restoration (laughs) from today's reading. Because restoring my mind to God's has been on my top ten hit goal parade list since I started reading this book. Restore my mind to God. It's like there's no duty in between it anymore. And this is where perception ends. And um, I'm in perfect and complete communion with everything as God is, as he would have his son be. So um, I'm going to go reread that last judgment in the end of the book and see it. How, how close I'm coming. <laughs> Peace and joy to you all. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Uh, thank you. Any final shares from anyone this morning? This is Lemoyne, and uh, like Judy, I, I see that uh, the last judgment behind this, the, to make it quick, there was a line that sums it up real well. <clears throat> Before the glorious radiance of the kingdom, Guilt melts away and transformed into kindness will never more be what it was. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that the, then the next sentence, 
is the application, right? That's the, that's the good part, right, Lori? Every reaction that you experience will be so purified that it's fitting as a hymn of praise unto your Father. And I think just yeah, I'm facing <laughs> what I've recently seen as the stone, the a big stone, not really ever focused on before as a source of guilt for me that. To see, you know, and in full context, in proper context, um, I cannot judge because, you know, I I can't judge what happened because I really, I don't know what they do, what they were doing, what was happening. I can't judge myself because I clearly didn't know what I was doing. And it's just all made up. <laughs> you know, there's, not, there's no gate to heaven, but there are these large stones that, at least in my case, I've put between me and that, and being released into the freedom, which comes from aligning the will. And I have experienced that. And this is just to see everything as a chance to have a loving encounter or, you know, whether it's uh, shared or a chance to supply something that somebody else feels they lack. And, um, yeah. The only the only barrier is stuff that I put there. And releasing that restores me to understanding of that last judgment, and then the ability at, at least to see things as a call for healing and help instead of cause for judgment or fear. And yeah, I I love the clarity of this section. Behold the Son of God, look upon his purity, and be still. In quiet, look upon his holiness, and offer thanks unto his Father that no guilt has ever touched him. So it, it can all change in the twinkling of an eye. If we can just uh, believe what is true, I think about our being. Anyway, I'm complete. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Lemoyne. <laughs> Lots of stones in the way. That's great. And you got the radiance going on too, Lemoyne. You know, um, it's impossible to open this book and find one paragraph that doesn't relate to another paragraph. 
I've discovered that happily um, over these years. And so um, every year I try to um, open my mind and say, what's it speaking to me of now? And now, now being a gift, I'm going to the Manual for Teachers where he offers this in regard to the question, how are healing and atonement related? How are healing and atonement related? Early on in the manual, he says, having accepted for uh, atonement for himself, the teacher of God has also accepted it for his brother. Because in the end, there's just one capital self that we all share. So the distance that seems to exist between that idea uh, and my mind is the only distance I need bridge ever. And forgiveness is the tool for that, to restore my mind to its original state. And if my mind is in its original state, so is my brother's. Because there's just one mind. So in summary, how are healing and atonement related? They are not related. They are identical. There is no order of difficulty in miracles because there are no degrees of atonement. It is the one complete concept possible in this world because it is the source of wholly unified perception. Partial atonement is a meaningless idea, just as special areas of hell and heaven is inconceivable. Accept atonement and you are healed. Atonement is the word of God. Accept his word and what remains to make sickness possible? Accept his word and every miracle has been accomplished. To forgive is, but to heal. The teacher of God has taken accepting his helmet for himself as his only function. What is there then that he cannot heal? What miracle can be withheld from him? This, my friends, is the source of our release and restoration. And I'm so grateful for all the ways we touch this idea today. Um, to bring the light to our minds. Thank you, everyone, for just another really beautiful call this morning. I'm so grateful.